she said, you know, do you know this is the right decision? I said, well, I think it is. She goes, not think, no. I said, well, I, I say think because I'm kind of scared to death, <laughs> you know, because uh, I, you know, I think life is either uh, a daring adventure or nothing at all. It's either a great adventure or nothing at all. Welcome to the Heart Candy Podcast. I'm your host, McKenna, fellow coffee lover, sour gummy worm enthusiast, and most importantly, your friend. My heart behind this podcast is to help take your focus off of the eye candy that our culture has taught us to be obsessed with and magnify the heart candy that exists around each and every one of us every single day. We'll be hanging out with women just like you and just like me who are making a difference in our communities right now. Girl, are you ready to feel equipped, encouraged, and empowered? I know I am. So what do you say? Come join in on the conversation and let's get to it. Welcome to this episode of the Heart Candy Podcast. The super fun, cool, and incredible Sophie Shore. Though I do not know Sophie as well as I wish I did, I do know just from being around her that she has such a powerful spirit of passion and determination on her life. Sophie not only loves the Lord, but she has a heart to see justice for his people, which I absolutely love. So with that, Let's say a big hello to Sophie. (laughs) Hello, McKenna. Thank you so much for having me on. I have watched you over our whole college experience. I've told you this before we started recording, but um, worship and just be such an incredible leader. So I'm so excited to get to chat with you today. Girl, I feel the same way about you, and I'm so happy that you're here with us today. I'm so excited. You have no idea. Me too. So where are you right now? I am back home living with my parents at Lake of the Ozarks. Okay. Um, yeah, so it's super, it's not the worst place to be quarantined. I live right on the water. I grew up on the lake. And so that has been a great release to go and mm-hmm. kayak or walk and just be at nature. So it's it's been okay. It's been okay here. <laughs> that sounds really nice. Now, I'm not 100% percent sure at what point you guys listening will be hearing this podcast but at this point right now in real time it's quite the definition of crazy town and the only things getting me through is lots of jesus and lots of coffee sophie what are some of your current quarantine staples like are you a coffee drinker do you go on a lot of walks do you have a show that you've been faithful to you know i this is so funny. I had always wanted before this happened to start walking or exercising regularly. I was an athlete at one point in my life and then once college hit, stopped. And so just for my health, I've been going on walks every day. Um, that's been awesome because it's spring. Just blo- the flowers are blooming. Everything's wonderful. But my family has been watching The Chosen I don't know. Have you heard of that? I've show? heard of that. Yes, my boyfriend is obsessed with that show. I've heard uh, oh my gosh, it's awesome! So awesome. I love it because it's a really well. It's about Jesus and his disciples. But you know, some sometimes when Jesus is characterized in other TV shows, he doesn't appear super like human. You know, he's very much just kind of mystical. And the way that they cast Jesus in this is just fantastic. And it's it's pretty modern, so it speaks to a modern audience. So love it my family's been watching that we actually just finished episode eight last night but then I read I've been reading quite a few books so 
that's been fun to get back into reading again. I wish I was a reader, but sadly, I just, I cannot focus on a book. I try. I really do try, but it's hard for me. (laughs) It's honestly an escape at this point. It's just, it's nice to go and learn. I love historical romance. If you do pick up reading, I strongly suggest you start there. Absolutely. What's your favorite? You know, right now I'm reading, yes, um, like, have you read any of the Francine Rivers? Have you heard heard of her at all? I have heard of her. I think my mom has read a lot of her books, but I have not read. So she has one that's called Redeeming Love. That's probably my favorite book ever. Anybody, people listening probably have heard of it, but it's about, it's, it's framed in, um, the time, like the gold rush in California. And it's a retelling of the Gomer Hosea story. So that's okay. a great one. But any, that's biblical or, I don't know, biblical, historical, you know, whatever you want to say. But that's probably my favorite book I've ever, I've ever read. So anyone should read it. It's incredible. Awesome. Um, and can you, okay, so I was talking to you a few days ago and you were telling me about the boat church that you and your family are doing during this time. And I just thought that was the coolest thing. I've never heard anything like it before. Can you share with us a little bit about that? Absolutely. So my dad has always, so again, I grew up on the water. Um, boats have always been something that I can remember my parents leading youth, youth when we were little and taking everybody out in the boat and reading about the stories of Jesus, either preaching from a boat or being out in the water with his disciples. And so that's something that's always been really attractive, especially to my dad. And so my dad had the idea of why don't we, with the social distancing that's going on right now, um, why don't we start boat church? So we anchor the boat in the middle of our cove, and then our neighbors will come and either tie off or anchor near us. Um, so we've had about 20 to 25 people at times. Um and people just are starting to come. We've only done it twice. So we did it a few weekends ago and then Easter weekend because it's been cold here. But we plan to continue to do it as long as the quarantine lasts and even into the, into the summer. And so I've been, my dad wanted me to preach, <laughs> which is so sweet. You know, she's so encouraging. And yeah. he, he really, um, so we do that. We open with prayer and we play some worship songs in the boat and then have a message and then people either go about and go on another boat ride by themselves or you know go back to their homes but it's just been so nice to get to be around people on Sundays mm-hmm. um and still maintaining those social distancing rules and the water somewhere yeah. that isn't really being there's there are no rules as far as that goes so right yeah it's been a really encouraging and great time that's really awesome so tell us a little bit about Sophie. Tell us, I know you said you're from College of the Ozarks. Tell us, have you always lived there? What's your major in college? What are kind of your plans after graduation? Just tell us a little bit about your details of who Sophie is. Of, of course. Um, well, I, yeah, I grew up at Lake of the Ozarks and a really great childhood. Um, my mom and dad, my dad's a high school football coach. And my mom sells real estate and just great people, um, wonderful um, people of the Lord, people of God. And went to college at Evangel. Um, I'm a biblical studies major, which has been, 
I always wanted to be a biblical studies major, but everybody was like, what in the heck are you going to do with that? And I really didn't know. I just knew in my heart that the Lord wanted me to study his word more and for this to be a great time of um, building a foundation for my life. And so I'm so grateful I did. I had the best experience um, at Evangel. And I'm actually hoping to go to law school. At this point, I was going to take a year off. Now I'm wishing I would have. Now I wish I would have applied to places. Oh. And like, oh, I have so much time now. Right. Um, but yeah, so I've always been really politically um, engaged, and so I'm hoping at some point, um, whether that's on the state level or 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 moving and taking a job somewhere else, that that's kind of where my heart is in public service and. Like you said, just seeing um, justice on the earth and being part of the kingdom of God and influencing people in the area of government is something that I just really am drawn to. So that is kind of my trajectory. It's very loose. I've learned at this point, I take things about three months at a time. (laughs) So um, I don't know when I was, and maybe you can test to this. I don't know if you were like this, but I think when you're, when I was, I'm so old now. When I was 18 or just coming into college, I wanted to plan my whole life out. And what I'm realizing is, is that honestly, I don't know if that, I think it's great to have a plan. And I think, you know, God also is in our provisions, but I think it's really hard to have an open hand and be willing to accept whatever God has for you when you're holding tightly to something you've already set up in your mind that you're going to do, if that makes sense. That's really good. So, that makes so much sense. just as far as living life now, um, something I've been trying to do is just taking it truly day by day and asking God what he wants for me in this every day, every hour, and trusting that in the big picture that will work out if I just focus on the small things. And I think he wants that. I think he wants us in a relationship with him and seeking him on, on that level every day. Um, so anyway, that's kind of where I'm sure. at in life right now. And it now. causes us to be reliant on his voice, you know? Oh, absolutely. Um, so I you said, you know, that's, you think that's what he wants. I, I totally agree. I definitely think there's a balance, but I think it's important to, you know, live every moment with open hands and not be too stubborn in our, in our own thinking or planning or ways. Oh, absolutely. You know? Watching yeah. the show, The Chosen, I'm going to talk about it again because it's just, Right now, it's been something super relevant just to my family watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you hear about the disciples and, you know, the 12 and also, you know, the other followers of Jesus, the, the women that followed him around. And um, I think there's this, this disconnect uh, as far mm-hmm. as who they were and the people they were. And then when you really look at the lives that they led, that they had families, that, you know, Matthew, the tax collector, like he, he was very wealthy um it's not that they didn't have things to give up and Christ literally came to them and said follow me um and so yeah that's just been a really just looking right now especially with this whole virus that's happening all the systems of the world they're just kind of toppling like for instance you work so hard to get an education and to get that degree but then (laughs) you realize in a second all of that could just disappear you know and what are you left with and so yeah yeah, it's just been watching that show and seeing it's just been a really great reminder of putting things, putting your value in what the Lord has for you and being willing to search out things and mm-hmm. walk away from certain things. So anyway, that's the biggest thing I think learning in this season. That's that's really good. I love that. Um, 
I'm going to kind of shift gears a little bit. Now, this is going to be an organic moment, but Sophie, <laughs> I think your mic is rubbing against your hair. Oh, my gosh. I am so sorry. <laughs> no, uh, that's okay. I'll move my I hair. I was hearing a little bit of crackling. I don't know if that is what it was. Is it? it that's a it's, yeah. It's a habitual problem. Like I, it's, no matter where I'm speaking, my my hair. I've had horrible moments preaching where my hair will rub against the mic and I'll be pop pop stop. pop. Oh but oh yeah, it's you awful. You have beautiful hair. You, okay, <laughs> you guys can't see Sophie, but she has like these long, like voluminous golden locks. I. And oh gosh! Hair. Oh my she gosh! Been blessed with good hair. <laughs> I can't. You're one to talk. You're one to talk. Your hair is fantastic. Oh, thank you, thank you. All right. <laughs> now that we got that done, um, some of you might be wondering, you know, why exactly I wanted to bring Sophie onto the podcast. And here's the deal. Actually, let me tell you. You know, the first time I met Sophie, I can't even remember exactly when that moment was. We did live in the same building um, last year at school, but I was kind of intimidated by you (laughs) because, for one, Sophie is gorgeous, and two, you can just tell from minutes of talking to her that she just knows who she is and she knows what she wants, and there is no messing around. And I love that. Sophie has this like spirit-filled boldness that I not only admire. But I want to have, and spirit-filled is the key word there. Um, but the moment that I knew Sophie had to be a guest on this podcast was when I heard her speak at our um, Evangelion University Chapel, and I really, really could relate to your story. You know, a lot of times as Christians, we hear about all these radical salvation stories about how God has just taken someone's life and flipped it upside down, but then there's some of us whose stories don't really look like that. And from listening to her sermon, both me and Sophie, um, from what it sounds like, fall more into that category. And it was a word that was super relatable to me because I don't have a crazy story. Um, You know, I'm a pastor's kid raised in the heart of New England, and I have always had a heart to grow my relationship with the Lord for as long as I can remember. But what Sophie helped me help confirm in my heart is that even us, we do have a great testimony, and that testimony is God's faithfulness. Um, I loved how you shared that in your sermon. Can you tell us on the podcast what that testimony of faithfulness has looked like in your life? Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, you do hear, just going back to what you said, all the time you hear these, you know, crazy conversion stories, and I think sometimes we, we live in a culture, too, that um, emphasizes like issues, if that makes sense. Like everybody kind of needs their own issue and not that we don't all have our own issues. Cause we do, right. We're all imperfect. We're all sinners saved by grace. But I think sometimes, um, we want to make like our story more dramatic maybe than it was to kind of fit into a mold. I don't think we need to do that because for me, and I just know in my life, it was a lot like yours. Um, I certainly haven't been perfect in my faith, but the Lord was so gracious and so kind and that at a very young age, he, I heard his voice and I knew it was the truth. And my life has certainly not been perfect. And if we had 
10 more podcasts, we could go into that. But um, (laughs) I think, you know, my dad would always say that growing up to us, um, he'd say a few things. He would say, you have a good name, honor it. And then he would say, you know, God has built you to last. Mm -hmm. And then he would also say, there's something about somebody who was just continually faithful, you know, that they day in, day out, not you know, there's this, there's this tendency of, uh, you know, and believers, especially when you're growing up too, I mean, growing up's hard enough, um, but these really high highs and these really low lows. And sometimes people say it's great. And sometimes it's not. And my mom and dad, my mom, honestly, and I just cannot sing like her, her praise is enough because, you know, it's parents, it's just so important to have both parents be, um, seeking the Lord wanting that for their children. My mom probably growing up was more of the vocal, uh, vocally spirit, like talked about the Lord, but my dad also would. And my dad, you know, you'd go into my parents' room and you'd see on the mirror written down the prayers for, for, for me, Sophie, dash confidence, Bo, bear. Um, but they just really instilled in us that, and again, haven't done everything right, but there's something to just being somebody that is continually faithful you know and mm. for if you are continually faithful most times things turn out better for you and so in my life you know just what that's looked like is um once you've met once I met the Lord at a young age I think you know you've, you've experienced this too and you experience and you taste and see the goodness of God you don't want to leave you know you don't you don't want to walk away from that um, and there's something so, so special about being able to, like, I, I wouldn't change, um, my testimony or the, the way it went about. I am so grateful, um, just to get, got to grow up knowing the Lord and, and knowing his goodness. And it's been such a, a guide in my life, knowing that no matter what I do, no matter what I do wrong, he is always there for me that he's always guiding me. And that if I will seek his face in all circumstances, he will show me the way. And so honestly, God's just been incredibly faithful. And so I, yeah, I, I guess that that's, I don't really, that was kind of rambling. I'm so sorry. I started to no. think about it and go off in tangents, but I just think no, once bad. you've accepted the Lord, there's something about just continually being faithful in that every day, you know? I love that. I love that. That's so true. And I, I think I could I could say the same, you know. I love how the Bible, you know, there's a verse that says, when you seek, you will find. And that is so true. Like, there's never been a time in my life where I haven't sought after the Lord and He hasn't met me where I'm at. Um, and yeah, God is just, He's so faithful. And when we're faithful to Him, He'll, he'll do it in return. And I love that. Um, I love how you were talking a little bit about your relationship with your family. Um, I've learned growing up that having a really close knit family is few and far between. Sometimes people used to like, look at me like I had five heads when like, I would rather stay at home and like watch a movie with my family than like go out with your friends. (laughs) Right, right, right. Um, But would you say that your relationship with your family has really helped influence the person you have become and are becoming it sounds like it sounds like the answer would be yes but um what would you say oh my gosh yeah I think you know when you're younger you're probably I think this is with every teenager 
um, or just growing up, you're always harder on your, your parents, right? They can always do something better or whatever. I, I honestly, people just, I, I cannot say how grateful I am just for the example of my family, you know, that they've, they've been for me. And yeah, I was just like you, like, I would rather hang out with my family, honestly, than go out with friends. Right now in quarantine, I'm really bad about contacting people because all my best friends are living in my house. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. everybody I'm normally checking in on is here right now. That's so um, yeah, so it's like it's it's really nice to mm-hmm. to have that. But I would say when you you know as you're growing up, and again I was super close to my family the whole way. But as you get older, you just have such a deeper appreciation for your parents because I think you think at one point grown ups you're going to hit an age where you're just going to naturally be able to work full time, devote time to your children, make dinner, breakfast, lunch, and dinner for them, and just be the stud person. Like parents are just supposed to be that way, right? Mm-hmm. And then you grow up and you're like, oh my gosh, this is hard. How did you do that? You know, like how did you keep it together? And, you know, because you think every day a problem, if I had a problem in high school or college or whatever, I call my parents, I call my mom or my dad, and they could just handle it. And you think, and then you hit that age where you think, oh my gosh, this is going to take a lot of work. Like that's so incredible that they were able to do all these things with balance. So I think for me, just in growing up, and as I even look for um, a spouse to spend my life with, Mm. I just think there's nothing more important than finding somebody who shares, um, doesn't just isn't just a Christian in name, but has a vision for life and what it looks like mm-hmm. to follow the Lord and everything. Um, whether that, yeah, just, just a vision for your family and, and a vision for your children and, and what your fun times are going to look like in your summers. And, oh my gosh, yeah, I couldn't be more grateful. I, I think I'm talking so much, but family is just such a crucial I role in faith. I love that. You know, I've never thought of like adding those questions to my list of questions to ask my boyfriend. Like I know, you know, I have a boyfriend and I know he values family as much as I do, but that's such a good question to ask. Like, how do you see yourself, you know, having fun with your family in the summer? I love that question. <laughs> I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and ask that. When they, when they come yeah. I love that. Right? Yeah. Because so I just, yeah, you want to be with somebody who not only does their faith permeates into every part of their life, right? Like it's something that seeps into their soul and gives them this joy about how that they, they attack life and what they, you know, what they want and everything. There's nothing it doesn't touch. Um, And so that's really important to me. (laughs) Holy spirit joy. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I love that. I really wish I had more time to like get to know you and in person and become closer friends. Um, but I, I really can remember seeing you a lot around school, and I never realized how close our circles actually were until I started seeing you with our friend Jody. Um, and to give you guys some insight, Jody is probably the coolest girl boss, pastor, missionary mom. I mean, we're talking, you know, we were talking about how being an adult and, you know, a parent is, you know, we realize now as we're getting older, like how actually um, challenging and hard that can be, but I'm not kidding. Jody makes the adulting thing just look so fun and easy. (laughs) She is so cool. She's worn every kind of hat you can think of, but last year she became really active in, 
um, the pro-life movement, and you really kind of teamed up alongside her on that, and it's through that and what you talked about in your sermon that made me realize how big of a call that you have on your life for social justice and how much you have a heart for that. Um, Can you tell us, like, where did that passion come from? I feel like that's not um, like a call or a passion you see in a lot of people. Um, so I'm really glad that I've kind of gotten a glimpse of seeing you kind of, um, activate that passion in real life. And I just think it's super cool. So can you tell us a little bit where, where that passion comes from? Yeah, I would love to. So I just, you know what, from the time I've been a little girl, I, my mom, it's very, once again, she just really cared about different issues and was always paying attention to what was going on in the community. But I can remember being a little girl and abortion, something that really bothers me. There are a lot of things, um, you know, sex trafficking and everything, but abortion really, really bothers me. Um, so I can just remember being a little girl and just feeling this just indignation, um, uh, this injustice and I remember crying out to God and saying God how can you be good how can you you know be a good loving father whenever all just horrendous things like children are being ripped from their mother's womb how can you be good sorry my brother's walking in to right now oh, and I'm doing fine. this podcast and he's being so rude thank you <laughs> organic moment can you leave please I told you to get out I this family that. living this is really raw can you not I literally I yeah. yelled at my brother before I got on to being like listen no slamming doors no stomping oh around. my gosh I'm about to be on a podcast I know I told them that and then I hear them upstairs my parents just decided to clean their bedroom like taking apart the bed frame and clean so underneath funny. and I'm just oh my gosh I'm so embarrassed I hope you didn't hear it and then I said <laughs> no, to my brother's don't come downstairs. And my brother just comes in to ask me a question. Like, are you? No respect. There's no, that's just what it's like right now. Nothing is, nothing's private. Funny. Sorry. I'm like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. But I couldn't focus because he was talking to me. I'm like, stop. I'm giving him like the cut it off sign, like around my neck. And so anyway, yeah, I just remember, you know what? The thing is, is that God cares about people. God cares. Mm. We're going back into this. God cares about people. God cares about what happens to people. And the fact is over 60 million children have died in the United States. Actually, I'm so sorry. I think it's, I'm going to have to check my numbers, but millions and millions and millions of babies have died since Roe v. Wade. And so I just remember reading, I read about Planned Parenthood and the things that were going on. And Planned Parenthood was created by a eugenicist which to quote her, she believed that black people were human weeds in need of calling, black and minority communities. So that's why you have a gross majority of Planned Parenthood locations in ethnic communities. Um, so it's systematically racist, first of all. So you just had millions and millions of children that have been murdered. And they convinced the public that that was okay. Um, and the thing is, as science and technology evolves, the pro-life movement is on the winning side of history um, because, you know, as you're able to see, you know, a child's heartbeat, as you're able to, because, I mean, at a very young age, the, the Missouri, I'm going to go into what I was involved with with Jody, but it just, it, it burns me because it is, yeah. people are trying to come in my room again. I am so sorry. I'm trying to get them out of here. Um, 
so horrible. It's just so, it's so annoying. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry, McKenna. I am so sorry. I think it's uh, funny. I'm sure everybody listening is very entertained. Yeah, so. I'm sure. I'm sure. It's but anyway, <laughs> so when I got involved with the um, pro-life movement here in Missouri, uh, my mom, I'd grown up really involved with the grassroots, which grassroots just means um, small community-led organizations uh, that, that, that fight for change in your state or your country. And so I had been really involved with that growing up. And then I knew I'd been in Washington, D.C. after my freshman year of college and had heard the, a lady talk about the heartbeat bill. And she was pushing it on a national level. And the heartbeat bill is anyone that... Um, anytime you can hear a child's heartbeat, you can't kill it after that. So that happens around six to eight weeks. So she was, which it, 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 the point of it was, it's a very common sense thing. Um, if you can hear a heartbeat, it's alive. We do far more for minnows and endangered species. It just makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. And so I had heard her talk about it, and she had given me a paper to look at um, that had all these just different federal or national representatives and senators. And we were supposed to call them and help her kind of lobby for this. So I remember doing that. Come around two years or my senior year or junior year. So two years later, around two years later, and New York came out with their, uh, basically, it was allowing a child to be murdered up until the point of birth. And if the child was born alive, even, then it opened it up for the mother to to, to choose to make it live or die, the baby. And they lit up the Empire State Building with pink because it was it was a you know it was a great victory for the women's movement or feminist movement modern feminist movement. Keep in mind that the true feminists, the Elizabeth Cady Stanton feminists, the feminists that were vi- were fighting for women's suffrage and voting rights, these women were pro life, um, you know, honored honored the sanctity of life. And so now, now the feminist movement is just talking to women from the waist down, right? They, they just assume that we are, we are, women don't care about, instead of viewing women as you know, talented, intelligent, um, that their value goes in their minds, they just think that all women care about is their ability to have sex, okay? Which to me is super offensive, because I think women are far more than that, and so after they lit up the Empire State Building with pink, and I just you started, it was all over social media. A lot of um, a lot of businesses were closing down, and just saying we refuse to be open today because we will not pay taxes to a state that does this. And so um, I just was grieved. I mean, I think anybody who's paying attention, so many Christians were just grieved by this, and I spent a week just praying and fasting and just. I mean, it was awful. Just Lord, what do we do? Show us what to do. How can we be part of, you know, the change in my state? And I remember going, I was on my way to a different church. I was actually going to a small country church out in Willard. And my friend called me and said, John Lindell at James River has done a, um, he's talking about abortion this morning. You need to come. So I remember going to that, cried through the whole thing. It was incredible. I saw Jody. She was starting a ministry for women who had experienced abortion and needed healing, which is a huge ministry. It's very needed. Um, if any woman listens to this who's had an abortion or you know still struggling with the, the, the side effects or they're hurt by it, absolutely. Like they need. James River has a ministry. I know it's still going. One of my friends um, has been a major part of it. 
And I actually was a part of it as well. But that is, what you don't realize is a third of the women in churches have had abortions, right? Mm -hmm. But they've virtually been ignored. And so that was something that I really appreciated James River did is they stepped out and said, hey, like we, we want to be there for you and be there through this healing process. Um, so anyway, I remember seeing Jody and didn't think much of it. I, well, I wanted to go and see her, but I also didn't want to bring any attention. And so ended up getting connected with her later. And at that time, I was going up to um, hear the House committee hearings on the abortion ban. So how it works is they're, they're pushing the bill. And so the House of Representatives in the state of Missouri was having hearings on a heartbeat bill for Missouri. So I was going up there and I, and I ended up meeting Jody and told her about it. And she just said, oh my gosh, we'd love to be involved. And what's amazing about just the response of the churches, I ended up being involved with um, post, the post board of ministry at James River. Some of the most incredible, amazing women that you'll ever meet in your life that had been keeping the secret of their abortion, even from even their husband at times, for decades, literally decades. And it had been gnawing at them, eating away at them. And they got to experience incredible healing through, um, they would actually come up. And once they learned about what was going on with the hearings, a bunch of women from the James River ministry came up and testified against Planned Parenthood doctors for the passing of the Missouri abortion ban. Mm -hmm. And so they ended up being just an instrumental part in getting it passed in the state of Missouri because they were so brave and courageous. I'm actually writing an article about those women because they were so willing to go and tell their stories to these lawmakers. And it gave lawmakers courage because never before in the state of Missouri had women who had had abortions before come and say, hey, this is not a good thing. Not only is this life, is this feed us a child, but this is also really bad for women. I think that's a key part of the argument that hasn't been used enough. Um, so anyway, that's that was a lot, but I think it's a story that needs to be told. And honestly, I'm going to write an article about those women and all that they did and their bravery and the healing that the Lord was able, because what the enemy intended for evil in a lot of states, a lot of women who had had abortions would speak out against. In Missouri, that's how the Missouri abortion ban got passed, is because women who had had abortions, who knew the truth about abortion, Holy Spirit-filled women, went to the Capitol and testified over and over and over again against Planned Parenthood doctors and the machine. And so that's just, I just have to give um, credit where credit's due. And Jody was fantastic. She testified as well. Um, my friend Megan Collier, who led the ministry at James River, she was a huge, huge part of organizing all of it. And anyway, so that just, wow. that is a way that God, um, I was always really invested in the pro-life movement and things like that. But just mm -hmm. this past year, God really opened my eyes to just how much healing can come about when people stand for justice and truth. And that was just a really incredible experience to get to be a part of. And James River as a church was just phenomenal. On Wednesday nights, they were lifting it up in prayer. Jody would tell the congregation. I remember Jody talking to the congregation one Wednesday um, about all of it. So anyway, wow. that experience just really solidified to me that we do have a voice. We do have a voice and we have to use it and we can make a real difference in people's lives. 
That's amazing. I feel like I could run a marathon right now. <laughs> like listening to that makes me just feel like so empowered and wanting to, you know, change the world and feeling really blessed that I am a woman. Um, I think that's really awesome. I think as Christians, we have a responsibility to stand in the gap for life and for people. And so I love that you are just walking confidently in this calling that you feel like God has um, placed on you, whether it ends up being like a full-time career or not, you know, it still is a calling that he's given you. And I think that is so awesome. And one thing I did just want to say is I know you, um, you know, made a shout out to those. I don't know who will be listening to this podcast, but to those who are listening, who maybe have had an abortion or are thinking about having an abortion or who are just really struggling with bearing the hurt and the weight that has come with that decision, you know, I want you to know, listening, that as Christians, um, we still love you. Even though you've made that choice, you know, the Lord's heart is for the broken hearted and he wants to help you with that hurt. And there's forgiveness that can be found through prayer, through seeking um, help in that area. Like Sophie said, James River has an awesome um, ministry that helps with that. And maybe your church does too. I'm sure there is more things like that in your area than maybe you're aware of. So I just wanted to make that as a disclaimer because I don't want, um, obviously we are pro-life, but we also love you. Oh, absolutely. And um, whatever you come to the table with, whatever hurt, there is no sin or hurt that is too much for God. And um, God can meet you right right where you're at. So I just wanted to say that. felt like I wanted to say that. Um, But moving on to the next question, Sophie, do you think that this passion will play into your career? I know you said you want to go to law school. Um, What do you think that kind of looks like? You know what? I really don't know um, fully what that will look like. Like I've told you, just plenty three mm-hmm. months in advance <laughs> right now the time. Um, I do think that I, I just want to continue to try to be a vo- the best I can, a voice for um, people. And I love what you said just now about, about women who have had abortions. They need to know they are loved. Um, they are loved by the Lord, um, and that there is mercy and grace and so much love for them. So I'm so glad you said that. But yeah, I think just continuing to be a voice for the voiceless is something that I will always be passionate about. Um, I would love to get into advocacy. Um, that, that's something I'm really passionate about as well. I really don't know. I do think just throughout my life, I want to continue to be a voice for the pro-life movement. Um, I know, I don't know if you're familiar at all with live action, but they're a great organization that I've definitely thought about working for just because their approach again, like it's just so loving towards those who have had um, abortions and wanting to help them. But it's also just so truthful in what abortion does and how many lives it's taken. So yeah, I definitely think I could see doing something with it. But at the end of the day, um, whether that's with abortion or sex trafficking or any any kind of issue like that, I think we all just have an obligation, no matter what our career is, just to be a voice for those people who can't speak up for themselves. 
That's so good. I know whatever you end up doing, God's going to bless it. And you just are so, you're speaking so much wisdom. And um, I know that you're going to do really amazing things. And I'm so excited to to watch that all unfold for you. Um, to shift gears a little bit, still kind of along the same same topic. But one thing that really stuck out to me when you did speak out of Angel was you said that God is in the hard places. And I love, love, love what you had to say about that. Um, It is something that has kind of stuck to me even to this day. Um, I do kind of go back to when you said, you know, God is in the hard places. And I just loved your perspective on that. Can you share with us a little bit what you about what you meant when you say that God is in the hard places? Oh, absolutely. I just, you know, just in studying um, scripture, I think there's a, there's a quote that I've always, <laughs> I've always loved. Um, and that is that God is the brave man's hope, not the coward's excuse. Mm-hmm. And that is something that I had it, you know, on my cork board as a little girl and still I come, it comes to my mind all the time. I think there's this mentality sometimes in us that, you know, God is there for us, like almost, and this isn't a complete parallel to the quote, but I don't want to just skirt by in my life and just do the minimum, what's minimum, the minimum requirement, right, of me in my walk with the Lord. Like, I want to work my hardest, do my absolute best, maximize everything God has given me. And if I do reach any height of creation, if I do have any success, I want to sing the praises of God from there. You know, like, I want to walk up the mountaintop. And when I get to the top, I want to sing of the praises of God to all the hillside. And so for me, just that God is in hard things, I don't think God. Like, God is not there just to, like, when you have been given, when you've been empowered by His Spirit, you can do anything that is before you. And so God has given us His Spirit so that we could go into all the hard places and reach people that might not, you know, have been reached before. And so, yeah, with my life, I just never want to approach anything from the perspective of fear but always with the knowledge that wherever I go, even if it's something that's really hard and really challenging and really stretches me, that God is there with me and look at the opportunity, you know, to be a witness, to be a witness of the gospel there in that place. You know, you even look at the promised land, like the Israelites. Um, You look at that whole land that it was the land of Canaan, that whole area of land that they conquer, it's just infiltrated by, it talks about the sons of Anak and the Nephilim and the giants in the land. And also something that's interesting that I don't remember who said it, but that whenever the enemy knows that like something could be. So whenever the enemy knows it had been said that that land was for the Israelites, correct? Like that was known that was promised to the patriarchs. And so the enemy knew that that was the land of the promise. So what does the enemy do? The enemy tries to make it look as big and as hard as possible to keep you away from that promise. And so sometimes I think when things look hard or difficult, it's a sign that that is exactly where we should walk into. Um, And you see that over and over and over again throughout scripture. 
that's something that, you know, in my life, that's, that's something I always try to tell myself. And it's not always easy. <laughs> you know, like I was actually having a conversation with a, a mentor the other day and we were talking about a decision I, I was making and she said, you know, do you know this is the right decision? And I said, well, I think it is. She goes, not think. No. I said, well, I, th- I say I think because I'm kind of scared to death, <laughs> you know, because uh, I, you know, I think life is either uh, a daring adventure, or nothing at all. It's either a great adventure or nothing at all. And mm-hmm. so um, I, I think that that place where you're half scared to death and then but completely relying on, you know, the Holy Spirit. Um, that's, that's the area where God is and that's the promise. And I just never want to live. I never want to live a really comfortable life um, where I stop dreaming about what the Lord has for me. I never, ever want my spirit not to be burdened. You know, like if you listen to Catherine Coleman preach, um, she's a really old school, old school Pentecostal. I strongly recommend it. She's eerie to listen to because she's just so divinely inspired like she scares you a little bit you know what I mean like like you feel like you're listening to like a prophet so you're like "Ah." um (laughs) you know but she just says basically one of her sermons she just says at Oral Roberts I think it is if you YouTube it she says just I can do anything but do not take your Holy Spirit from me and that's in scripture as well Mm -hmm. and so yeah I've learned in my life like sometimes the Holy Spirit will convict me really hard on things really really hard where like it physically pains my heart and it's not an easy thing to work through but I'm just like God never take your Holy Spirit from me Lord never take it from me continually burden me and correct me and discipline me but whatever you do please do not take your Holy Spirit from me so anyway that's just what it means in my life I am talking your leg off McKenna I am so sorry no seriously don't apologize (laughs) this has been like, this conversation has exceeded my expectation going into it. I mean, like, I knew that it was going to be good, but I didn't realize it was going to be this good. Like, I think you have just said so much wisdom, and you have allowed the Holy Spirit to kind of, like, work through you in your responses to the questions that I had for you. Um, it's just so good that I don't know how people could turn this episode off and not feel encouraged or empowered or wanting to seek the Lord more or be more in touch with um, figuring out, you know, the call that God has on their life or their relationship. Um, I've just, I've really loved everything that you've had to say. So thank you for Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so sorry for all the interruptions. Oh my gosh. You know what? Those are what, that's the spice of life, you know? (laughs) adds excitement my life is very spicy almost inedible that is (laughs) almost (laughs) that is really funny I'm gonna use that (laughs) that is so good (laughs) well thank you so much Sophie for spending time with us today I truly love your heart and I know that it's one that many many look up to and will continue to look up to and thank you just for allowing God to use you to be an awesome influence. Um, I'm just really excited to see how God uses you in, in life and impacting people. And um, I'm just really excited to see how he uses you. So thank you for being on the podcast today. Thank you so much, McKenna. And I, I can't wait to talk to you again soon. I know. 
me too, me too. Well, that wraps up today's podcast. But um, to those of you listening, we will catch you on the next one. Do you want to say goodbye, Sophie? Yes, thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys continue to listen to McKenna's podcast because she's incredible. (laughs) And thank you for having me again. It was just such a blessing. And it was a nice, honestly, it was nice to talk to somebody other than my family. I love them. But it was so nice just to get to have a little girl time because you have that so much in the dorms but now it's just over it's all over it's done so thank you so much I had a great time with you I love that well thank you so much Sophie we'll talk to you later talk to you later Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of the Heart Candy Podcast. I love how this conversation empowered us as women and encouraged us to share our voice. Thank you so much, Sophie, for just being so raw and real about your passion for people and your heart for um, the pro-life movement and social justice. So thank you for sharing your story with us today. Don't forget to find us on social media and give the Heart Candy Podcast a follow. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So if you enjoy what you're listening to and want to support the Heart Candy, please follow us there as well. Do you know someone who's making a big difference in your community? Email us at theheartcandypodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, bye.